Well, I just turned 50 um, a while back. And of course, that means that now is the time and perhaps earlier to think about prostate cancer. It is the most commonly diagnosed cancer amongst Canadian men. In real terms, it's estimated that one in nine of us will be diagnosed with it at some point. 99% of those cases I read will be in men over the age of 50. Now, the encouraging news is that the probability of surviving prostate cancer at least five years after diagnosis is about 93% in this country, but nearly 5,000 Canadian men will die of prostate cancer this year. One thing that is also shown is that rates of prostate cancer do considerably vary around the world, and that's led researchers to look into if environmental factors such as diet may play some kind of role. And that includes a new study published this month in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition that looks at possible links between dairy and increased risks of prostate cancer in North American men. And joining me now is Dr. Gary Fraser. He's a cardiologist and professor at Loma Linda University in Loma Linda, California, and lead author of the study. Thanks so much for your time tonight. Oh, pleasure. So tell me a bit about just how the risks of prostate cancer vary and, and how it is that environmental factors could play a role. Well, it varies quite a lot around the world, and uh, it varies also with time. For instance, if you go to uh, Asia, places like uh, Japan and uh, China, um, it was a rare cancer indeed up till the 40s and 50s, and since then has been rising um, quite steeply in those countries. Um, and of course, that could be due to all kinds of environmental influences. But um, amongst other things, their, their diet has changed a, a good deal. So that raised some questions in some of our minds, but didn't really prove anything too much just looking at things like that. So um, it required more detailed studies, uh, such as we did, to dig a little deeper. Yeah, what was the hypothesis or what was your working hypothesis going? And I know that's not a particularly scientific way of putting it, but what were you what were you looking to find and, and, and what did you find? Well, it, it, from Loma Linda University, uh, we had the possibility of studying a very special population and one that was um, pretty well suited to address questions related to, for instance, the consumption of meats, the consumption of particular vegetables, the consumption or not consumption of uh, dairy foods. Um, so we were able to enroll uh, nearly 100,000 Seventh-day Adventists from uh, across the U.S. and actually about four or 5,000 from Canada. Um, and they are, uh, you know, an epidemiologist's dream in some ways because there's about half of them are vegetarian, but half of them are not. Um, about 10% are vegan, which means that they don't use dairy products, for instance, at all. Um, whereas the others use uh, some dairy products. Most of the other vegetarians only use about half as much dairy as the non-vegetarian Adventists. So th there were some characteristics of this population that made them uh, pretty attractive to be able to look at factors such as dairy consumption, uh, perhaps meat consumption, and uh, some other vegetables in relation to risk of prostate cancer. It's, I mean, just for listeners to that, 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 that is a, a very large sample group and one that, that offers a lot of different uh, control factors, doesn't it? So, so you went to look in specifically at dairy, I gather. Why, why did you, or did you, or why did you land on dairy specifically? I know it's been talked about in the past. Well, uh, even before we conducted the study, 
there had been somewhat mixed results in other studies, but a suspicion was already developing that there might be something going on there. There might be some relationship between consumption of certain dairy foods and prostate cancer. I mean, these are very tough things to prove because there are so many foods that someone eats for one reason, for one thing. And secondly, how well can people really remember and tell you and report on on what they eat? So one has to be very careful in the way that you conduct these studies and uh, also how you interpret the results. And so we started out with some real interest in this and uh, a rather special possibility of being able to look at it with uh, unusual power, really. What did you find, um, ultimately? Uh, What did you wind up discovering, and and, and it's in the study that you've just published? Yeah, well, uh, out of the 96,000 people, there were actually about 32,000 men, and of course, so in this particular study, that uh, clearly had to be our focus. Um, And um, what we did was something fairly simple. We uh, took from them a large questionnaire at the beginning of the study, very detailed about what they eat, how they live their life. And we were able at the beginning of the study to divide people, if you like, to different uh, levels of consumption of, say, dairy foods and a whole lot of other foods, and then followed them up people that had not gotten a cancer at the beginning of the study, so had no idea whether they were going to get a cancer or not, and they told us how they uh, ate and how much dairy, and followed them through over about eight years of time, collecting from uh, statewide and province, provincial uh, cancer registries any new cases of um, uh, prostate cancer in this case. And what we found was um, quite striking, actually, um, We had about 1,250 prostate cancers that developed new during this period. About 190 of them are what we call aggressive prostate cancers. They are the kind of cancers that that people do, excuse me, excuse me, do do, uh, actually die from. And um, we we found that as compared to say the vegans who consumed no uh, dairy at all. And if we looked at people that were consuming, you know, maybe a couple of cups of milk a day, we found that there was actually more than a 50% increase in risk in that in that high consuming group as compared to the vegans. Um, so that was interesting, and we were able to make certain adjustments that uh, at least partially corrected for the fact that people couldn't tell us with great accuracy perhaps always what they uh, they drank and that actually made the risk of the dairy and particularly the milk I should say uh, look even a little more acute um, and there's a couple of interesting things about our findings um, one was that we did not find a very strong signal for yogurt or cheese so you might be very pleased about that, some of your listeners. But um, for milk, and it made no difference whether it was low fat or regular fat, the signals seemed to be the same of increasing risk. So that was one factor. The second thing we found, which was a bit unexpected, but was very clearly there in our data, and there was nothing we could do to make it go away, whatever we adjusted for, 
is that there was a very steep rise in risk, apparently, up to about oh, two-thirds, three-quarters of a cup a day. After that, the risk stayed high, but uh, did not increase much any further. So it looked like there was um, considerable hazard between drinking no milk and drinking a relatively small amount, you know, two-thirds of a cup a day, but over a long period of time, of course. Uh, in terms of increased risk of prostate cancer. And, you know, with the numbers we had, uh, the findings were highly unlikely to be due to just a random chance. We talk about these things, some of your listeners may know, called p-values. Our p-values were very, very small, which means it's uh, very unlikely to be just a random fluctuation, that there was something real that was going on here, whatever it was. I mean, I know this had been discussed, this potential, uh, when it came to environmental factors and diet and potentially a, a dairy factor, this had been talked about in the past, but I gather, as you pointed out, it hadn't really been, there was no nothing solid there, and I know that it's very difficult, as you mentioned, to prove uh, the links between these things, if there are any. Uh, were you surprised by what you found? Well, we weren't, weren't completely surprised. Um, we were surprised by the... Um, the, the what I've just described, what we call the non-linear relationship of it, that it seemed right. to be a steep rise and then it kind of flattened out with no further increase. But we had noticed beforehand, if we just looked rather than at, say, dairy, but if we looked at the vegans alone as compared to the others in our population, our lacto-over-vegetarians, those that did have dairy and eggs, and then our non-vegetarians, we found that the vegans had about a 25 or 30% lower risk of prostate cancer. So, you know, one of the things we asked ourselves right then was, well, how do vegans differ? Uh, obviously, they differ by uh, not having dairy, but they also actually differ in a whole lot of different ways. They have more fruit and vegetables and nuts and uh, legumes and so forth. But that, that was one reason why we focused on dairy. The, the other thing is that there um, have been some other big studies that have produced suggestive results. The large EPIC study in Europe, for instance, uh, found a, a positive relationship, and one or two other large studies have as well. One or two other large studies have not, by the way. And um, one of the reasons we think that might be is that we had this very strong relationship between zero and two-thirds of a cup a day and I think in a lot of other populations, they had very or relatively few people down there, so that they couldn't. They, they were kind of missing the the, the uh, range where there was this uh, steep gradation in risk, possibly. And then, uh, you know, but, and, so yeah. we weren't totally surprised. I'm speaking with Dr. Gary Fraser. He's a cardiologist and professor at Loma Linda University in Loma Linda, California, a lead author of a new study uh, published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition that looks at the links, uh, potentially, that uh, examines uh, the links between dairy and increased risks of prostate, prostate cancer. When we come back, just a bit, about, a bit more about the study, also what people should know about what you found and what more you have to continue looking for uh, to find answers that you continue to seek. We'll be back with that. Dr. Gary Fraser is with us this half hour. He's a cardiologist and professor at Loma Linda University in Loma Linda, California, also lead author of a recent study published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition that looks at potential links between dairy and increased risks of prostate cancer in North American men. And he found some interesting, there were some interesting findings that he's been explaining about uh, uh, milk itself, relatively small amounts, appears to increase risks, and then it levels off. 
and no evidence of this in yogurt and cheese, though. And it didn't matter whether it was low-fat milk or regular milk. Um, as always with these sorts of uh, these sorts of studies as well, Dr. Fraser, I guess it's important to remind listeners what it is and what it what it found and what it did not find. Right? That there is it's not it's observational. Right? If I'm correct. Yeah, yes, it's observational, um, and of course, unfortunately, we're we're stuck with this kind of study. One really can't realistically do what we call a randomised controlled trial because cancers develop over probably a ten to twenty year period. There's no way you're going to randomise thousands of men to be vegans for ten or twenty years. Indeed, so right. you're stuck with observational studies, and you've got to do them well. What else do you need to, to learn now? What else, now that you've found this, uh, what needs to be sorted out? Well, to, to try and establish the causal nature of the link, there's clearly a strong association which whatever we adjusted for in our data, we could not make go away. So one could start looking at what we might call metabolomics. Uh, what is it? in the bloodstream, uh, hormonal levels, and we already know a little bit about this, that could be actually causing this to happen at the cellular level rather than directly at the nutritional level. I I think we've got to turn to that kind of mechanistic kind of study uh, to try and give more support to the actual causal link by defining the mechanisms. Do you have any advice in this case then based on these results? Well, um, I, I would say that if you are, have some risk factors, for instance, if you come from a family that uh, many of the men have developed prostate cancer, uh, you, you might seriously consider um, uh, perhaps changing to some of the other vegetable milks, almond milk, soy, oat, you know, some of these others. Or if you have even benign prostatic hypertrophy, which we know that that also creates a higher risk of later perhaps becoming a cancer. Now, for someone that doesn't have these things, I guess it depends on your level of risk aversion. Um, As we've just discussed, we can't consider from the study that the causal link is proven, but it surely raises the possibility, along with other work, so um, it's not too difficult to find some other milks which are really quite palatable these days. So one could consider that, I think. And obviously we should take the opportunity, I imagine, to remind listeners of all the other things you should be doing to lower the risk of prostate cancer as well. Yes, yes, screening. And um, you know, men over the age of 50 years or so uh, should be getting their PSA uh, measured uh, with some regularity. That's probably about the best we can do at the moment, but uh, that's very useful. A good reminder. Uh, Dr. Fraser, thank you so much for sharing uh, what you found with us tonight and explaining it. I appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you.